While our servers are getting ready to come and collect the offering in just a moment, lights are coming up for you to be able to see. And as we do that, I want to remind you of a piece of something that we added this year that I think has been really a, 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 good, a good tool for you as a, as a person who gives. If we have your email address when, you're, um, when what you give on a Sunday morning is included, uh, is, is registered by the people who count, you actually receive, once the batch is completed, you receive an email that says, here's what you gave, and here's the fund that it was assigned to, and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's kind of nice. It's a nice feature because, you know, from time to time there might be a mistake, or you're wondering what happened to your check, or I didn't mean for it to go to the, um, I don't know, the carpet fund, or whatever it might be. And so it gives you a chance to check on that right away. But in order to do that, we have to have your email address. So if you aren't in the habit of doing it, and you don't have to get in the habit, but you can use an offering envelope at some time. There's a slot there for email, or you can just stop at the welcome desk any Sunday morning and say, hey, this is my name, this is my email, and we'd like to make sure that that's included. So servers are coming now. While they do, I want to call your attention to the piece of paper that's in your hand, because starting next week, we're going to be doing what we've been talking about now for, for many, many weeks, and that is this one-time uh, offering that we're giving toward what's happening out here on the lawn. It's pretty exciting. It's going to be a cool week. Uh, so far, everything that has happened has gone this way, flattening lawn, putting in parking, putting in the base of a building. This week, it starts going this way. So they're going to pull out the Legos, and they're going to start putting up steel, and we're going to start to see what this thing is going to look like. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting time. Drive by, take a peek, see what's going on. You can always come look. We encourage you not to come and give the workmen instruction, okay? That, they don't appreciate that when we stop and say, no, I think that Lego belongs there or whatever. Just let them do their job. But, but you're always free to come by and watch what's going on and, and build that in as, as part of your memory. So as that's happening, we know that we have some work to do as well because we want to make sure that, that we fund this as well as we can. And we've made clear numerous times that the more we give now... Uh, the less of a mortgage we'll have to take out. The more we give immediately, we're able to go ahead and delay taking out part of the mortgage. So, for example, there have been some people that have already given toward the Thanksgiving offering, and we've been able to use that toward the first payment to the builder so that we've not had to yet take out a construction loan, which has been, it's been fantastic, and your generosity has helped with that. So this was supposed to be a beautiful color piece, all right? And about 25 copies in, and an hour later, said, we're going black and white. So we are not wasting money on printing, I'll tell you that. But um, this gives you an idea of just imagining what will be able to happen in this space as it comes to fruition. And the things that will be able to happen, the more we get ourselves out from under the burden of, of a debt. So um, I'm not going to sit and read it all to you, but I encourage you to read it all. It's just a... I think it's an inspirational piece, and it really gives us an idea of what the future can look like. On the back, in the center, there's a, there's a card that basically, these are the actions that we've been talking about, the actions that, that we're going to be taking. So one of the things we encouraged you to do as we talked October 1st was just take some time to review where, where's, your, where's your regular giving. Forget a building. Where are you in your regular giving? For some of us, we give a certain amount. We've done that same thing for years. 
our income has grown or our burdens have decreased and we kind of look and go, you know what, I could, I could actually do more in that area. So I could adjust that. So some thought to perhaps this is an area that just my general tithing could increase. The second one is, is what's going to be collected over the next three Sundays. So the 19th, the 26th, and the 3rd. This is that one-time uh, Thanksgiving offering to just go ahead and, 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 and push along the project. Now, for some of us, I realize you're waiting for a, a tax return or a bonus or whatever that thing is out there in January or February that's, that's beyond the time of this. And you're saying, I want to be able to give this, but it is not here now. And so we provide that, that third opportunity that basically says, I, I want to be able to give before the mortgage is sealed, which will be around April, we believe. And so because of that... Um, uh, this is the amount I think I could give in the future. And it may be that you're going to give some now toward the Thanksgiving offering, and there's more that you can give later. But that helps you to think that through. And then beyond that, we've been talking about, okay, so for the next two years then, uh, 18 and 19, leading up to 20 for those two years, is there an amount maybe I could give monthly or quarterly or something that is above and beyond, above and beyond our regular giving to give specifically toward the building? Remember, it, it doesn't really help to cannibalize the one fund. You know, you, to just shift and say, all my general fund is going to now go to building just guarantees that we can't turn on the lights in the new place. So cannibalizing one to give to the other doesn't exactly uh, help out. There is some fine print at the bottom. This is not lawyerese. This is just something we want you to know. This commitment is between you and God. While we use these commitment cards for planning purposes, no one will contact you to discuss your commitment unless you request to do so. So um, we're encouraging you as, a, as really an act of faith and an act of, of worship to bring this card back and put it in the offering. To say this is, this is what I believe God is leading me to do. But we're not going to be doing a bunch of follow-up calls. We're not going to be come back and saying, you said you were going to do this. Where was this? This is truly an action between you and God. So I hope that's all clear. That's obviously why we asked for your name, just to get some legitimacy that, you know, I mean, we don't want one of our kids finding these and filling out $5 million or something like that. We want to make sure that, that what comes in is actually legitimate. So again, take the time to read it over. Really excited to see where we go over the next, uh, next three weeks. I, I've already been uh, blown away with what has come in so far. And people have said, yes, I'm behind this. And I really, I really look forward to seeing how God is going to use this place uh, for his purposes. So really, really exciting time couple other things for you before we get to the message. I, you know, Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, not too long from now, uh, there was a tragedy in Texas that all of us know about by now. And I'm sure the next thought in your mind was, so is Southfield prepared for such an event? And let me just say, first of all, there are some things you just can't plan for. You know, you, you can say you're planned, you can say you're prepared, you can, this is, I think this is a little bit of problem of America in 2017, we quite honestly believe we can remove every danger, every disaster, everything from the scene. We can make no guarantees. And having said that, we can be smart and we can do our best in situations. So we've been doing a lot of reviewing of where we are in terms of security of our own building on a Sunday morning and when students here and all that sort of thing. And uh, I, 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 you know, to stand here today and tell you the details of that would be foolish 
because we don't want you to share that with a friend who happens to be someone who happens to want to do us damage, okay? So we're not going to sit here and say this is what we have in place. But do understand, we have things in place. We have things in place that we believe do lend, for, lend toward safety and security on Sunday morning. And that's not just taking into account a, a, you know, a gunman, but that's really everything. Part of the reason that we have the child check-in system that we do is to ensure the safety and security of your children. We think these things through. That's very important to us. So um, we will, I, it's not, you know, we're not going to be installing magnetometers at the door or things like that. But I think the biggest thing is we do have some things in place. And then I was talking to a police officer this week, and you know, he was saying one of the most important things to do, and while we hate to do this on a Sunday morning, we hate to you know, think about such a thing, but you're sitting in a crowd like this, what would you do if? What's your plan if? And you know, just to remind you, that word over there says exit. That's another way out of the room. Okay, that's another way to get out. And I know somebody on, on a news show this week said, well, there might be an ambush, somebody waiting out there. Most of these shootings have been lone gunmen. So head out, get out, find a place, you know, think about what you would do. If you're not sure what you would do, talk to a police officer. What would you do in a setting like this? What would you do in order to be protected during those few moments? So, wow, don't you love talking about this on a Sunday morning? This is the reality of America in 2017, and you can blame it on a million things. You can blame it on people owning guns. You can blame it on whatever your political persuasion is. Let me blame it on what I believe it is. The darkness of the human heart. Men love darkness rather than light. Why are we here? To bring light. We're here to bring light. We're here to change hearts. We're here to change minds. And so... We need to do our job as best as we can to help people who are lost to come safely home to God. That's why we're here. So I wanted you to know about that. And then the other thing, um, as we walk into this week, uh, Liz Donick lost her, her husband this past week, uh, an immediate heart attack, uh, no, no chance of, of, of bringing him back in that moment. And so she's devastated by just the immediacy of this as well as her daughter, Desiree. So there will be a, a visitation for, uh, for them on Thursday and then a funeral service on Thursday night at Blackburn and Joliet. So if you know Liz, we just wanted to pass that along to you. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into this part of the series. Father God in heaven, um, you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Nothing happens in our lives that you are not aware of. You care. You love us. You don't give your heart in pieces or, or, or hide to tease us. You love us. Thank you for that love. God, I pray that we would live into that love. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to die so that we can have eternal life. Thank you for the opportunity of influencing our circles so that the darkness can become light. Give us greater and greater inspiration all the time. Not to just spout our political opinions or, or to shake our fist at what we think is bad, but to talk about the only true solution. And his name is Jesus. We love you. Amen. Well, we got off to a pretty good start last week in this new series, Made for More. Ben, ben Mott teed it up for us, uh, the president of Green Lake Conference Center. 
the place our students go annually for their summer serve, about four hours north of here. We had a great time together as we had these two different services where we just talked through a number of questions. We told you we'd actually have both of those up for you to be able to listen to, and then it turned out afterward we found out one of them did not record. Fortunately, the one that did record uh, was the one that had the, the meat of the message. So um, anyway, we apologize for that glitch. It had nothing to do with our people. It had to do with our, our, our equipment. So this series is an outgrowth of our fall theme revisiting the words that were on the front wall of our old church sanctuary. It's not about me. It's not about me. God is, through the process of sanctification, making us more like his son. He has a pretty vast tool chest for getting that job done. Philippians 1, 6 tells us, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began this work in you in salvation, and he doesn't just then say, well, we'll see you in heaven. But he's in this constant work of making us to look more and more like his son. So this fall, we've looked at some of the tools God uses to carry out this task. He moves us toward living generously. By doing so, he works on that clutching grip with which every one of us is born, peeling back our inbred selfishness and our need for control. He moves us toward living out our faith, living a compelling gospel presence among those in our circle, so that we grasp our purpose for living, that it's about God and it's about others. A third tool now that we will look at is serving. I want you to see two passages. They're familiar, beautiful verses. You may want to just, if you don't memorize this, at least have it close by and say it often to yourself to be reminded of who you are in God. For you, were, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully doesn't mean scary. It means awesome, okay? I praise you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. God, the ultimate ultrasound. He sees us. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your, thought, are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. He's saying, I just love thinking about the fact that you think about me. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. We need to be reminded of that reality. Then there's, that's the reality of our birth. How about the reality of our new birth? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, so that none of us can brag about it. For we who are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, we were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God knew before you were born the reason he had you here and what he had planned for you to do in your lifetime here. God created you uniquely and wonderfully for a very specific purpose. Who God made you to be directs you toward what God wants you to do in this life. So we will understand our purpose in life when we understand and lived out, live out how God wired us. Our journey toward a fulfilling life begins by understanding and accepting this reality. God created me uniquely, and God created me wonderfully to fill a unique space in his plan. The two results of serving in this space that God has created us for are fulfillment and fruitfulness. 
there's that sense of fulfillment. This is why I'm here. And fruitfulness. Look at the way God is using me for his purposes. With this foundational reality in mind, we have two objectives we'd like to see every Southfielder realize. First, that you would discover, develop, and deploy your unique design to serve God and others through this local church. And secondly, that you would serve in a ministry that best fits who God made you to be. So how does that happen? How does it work? Well, God gives us this instruction in Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. What does that verse say? God gave us leaders to equip us to do ministry. This is subtle, but it's huge. God did not give us leaders to do the ministry for us. God gave us leaders to equip all of us to do ministry. This is what I believe is to be a healthy understanding of one aspect of the priesthood of all believers. Christ, uh, Christ's church is not supposed to be cl- a clergy-owned and operated organization. Christ's church is not an organization at all, in fact. It is an organism. Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes it as a body. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, the human par- body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Many parts, many parts, one body. He ends the chapter by saying, all of you fit together. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts he has appointed for the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who help others, those with gifts of leaderships, those who speak in unknown languages. That's not what I want. Let's just keep going. Not that, not that, not that, not that. Huh, well, I'll just read it. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have the power to do miracles? No. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? No. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Now, I added the word no, and you're like, oh, no, he's playing with Scripture. No, I'm not. Because the way the Greek words those questions, there is an assumed no in answer to them. No, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So the church is not an organization to be managed. It is a living, breathing organism made up of many parts, many vital and useful parts. Now, in the middle of all this, Paul goes into this hilarious rant, at least hilarious for a theologian. Maybe you won't find it that funny. But he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand. Does that not make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, what would you smell with? He says, but our body, bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Please don't miss that. He's put every part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be. If it had only one part, big old eyeball rolling down the street. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to this hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
It just doesn't work that way. He says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that, shouldn't be, that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts of the body. Just incredible, fascinating thing he goes on here. What is he saying? A few things. First, the part you are matters, so stop trying to be something else. So many of us long to be someone else we know. So many of us long to have a gift someone else had. Oh, if only I could sing like Dana. Well, you can't. What are you going to do about that? You know, all the voice lessons in the world aren't going to make me sing like Dana. Am I going to die longing for that? Or am I going to go, so what gift did God give me? And be comfortable in that and enjoy that and bring that to the body. Second, we need all the parts of the body. An eye is not a body. We need all the parts of the body. Some of us, are, every once in a while, see a part of the body that, that doesn't quite fit with the way we're wired, and we say we could do without that part. No, we can't. The balance of the body needs all the parts of the body. 30 says in verse 18, God puts the body together. Who you are and where you fit is by his design. It is not by our choice. It is by his design. Fourth, he conveys this truth that the least notable part, the seemingly weakest part, is an incredibly valuable part. Here's the truth, a sad truth. You could live without your very visible and highly productive hands and feet, but you'd have a hard time surviving without your pancreas. Just because you don't see it every day and just because you don't think about it every moment doesn't mean that it is not vital absolutely vital to our existence. Finally, he makes clear that the health of the entire body depends on the health of its collective parts. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part is honored, all the parts are honored. In order to serve in my role as a quipper, I want to walk through some, what I believe are some helpful insights that teach us about the design that we've been given so that we can discover the unique and wonderful person that God made you to be. In all the teaching I've seen on, on gifts and on wiring, on how I bring the best me to serving, I still think the acronym SHAPE is probably the most helpful. It is spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experience. These five things. When we have a handle on these five things, we're able to kind of go, now I have a better idea of where I might find fruitfulness and fulfillment in serving. So let's go back to this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's one of those days, right? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This translation is kind in that it already gives us what that word means. Some of the other translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. In, in English, that feels kind of cold, right? I don't want you to be ignorant. No, he don't want us to be uninformed. He wanted us to know how these gifts work. He says there are, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So the Spirit, why is it a spiritual gift? Well, the Spirit of God is in charge of the gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in every one is the same work of God. I love this because in these three verses we have 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity right there in those verses. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by that one Spirit. It's almost feeling a little repetitive, isn't it? To another, miraculous powers. Another, prophecy. Another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of that tongue. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines, just as he determines. What do we find out here about spiritual gifts, about the S in the SHAPE acronym? Well, first we find out that it is important to know about them. Paul says, I don't want you to not understand this. You've got to understand this. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. It's important for you to know this. The second thing we see is that the Holy Spirit plays a key role in our giftedness. This is a big piece. When Jesus says, I'm going to leave so the Spirit can come, a big piece of the Spirit's coming to us was to gift us for serving. Eight times the Spirit is mentioned in these eight verses. That is significant. That again and again and again he refers to the Spirit. What we learn in these passages is that every Christian has at least one gift. If you are a Christ follower... You are not ungifted. You have at least one gift. Here's the other thing. No one receives all the gifts. I mean, if you did, you'd be psychotic. It's not possible to have all the gifts in one body. In fact, some of the gifts, I don't want to say they conflict, but they're, they're so different that you'd be, kinda, you'd be doing war with yourself, okay? No one gets all the gifts. And who decides which one? We don't look at the list and go, hmm, I'd really like to be a teacher, and I'd like to have discernment. And we don't get to do the menu, okay? The Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get. This is the Spirit's work bringing unity and beauty to his church, to Christ's church. We learn further, I am gifted for a purpose. The manifestation of the Spirit is given, why? For the common good. So it's not so that you can go, I have this fantastic gift, and put it over here on a mantle and say, oh, what a beautiful gift. That's not it. It's to get it employed for the common good. And that line really gives us the definition of spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is the manifestation of the spirit given for the common good. A gift is the spirit on display in you. It's proof that the spirit is living in you. And so you have this display of the spirit that comes shining out of you. A display that I might add a lot of times is not exactly in line with the natural you. The natural you would do one thing, and the spiritual you does another thing, and you kind of go, where'd that come from? Well, that came from the Spirit of God. That's not something that necessarily naturally came from you. So we understand that in order, in order to manifest the Spirit, we must have the Spirit. The Spirit is given to us at new birth. So, if you trusted in Christ as your forgiver and leader, the Spirit resides in you and desires to make himself known through your unique giftedness, through the spiritual gift or, or perhaps complementary set of gifts that he has given you. So I want to walk through the list of gifts given in the Bible. 
And we're going to do this with some speed. Those of you that love taking notes, get ready to hate me. Okay? This is, you're not going to be able to scribble fast enough. We'll find a way to get these into your hands. But, but I just want you to see what's going, on, and we do what's going on with gifts. As we do this, keep in mind, a gift is not the same as a role. A gift and a role are different, okay? So, for example, the Bible refers to a gift of, of shepherding, which can also be pastoring. Uh, you don't have to have the role of pastor in order to be a pastor. Does that make sense? You don't have to be hired to do this job in order to experience the gift of pastoring. A gift is more than a role. So don't rule yourself out of a gift because you don't hold a certain role. I'm going to break these down into categories. Remember, these, the gifts are given for a common good. So we ask ourselves, what good is realized through my giftedness or through this set of giftedness? The first set you see here are the gifts that establish God's work. And by establishing God's work, we mean establish God's work in the world and in the individual. So in other words, the gifts that bring Christ to a human heart and gifts that bring the, the influence of the church to a community. Within that, you have four. Evangelism, missions, apostle, and languages or tongues. Evangelism, if I read all of these, we'll be here too long, okay? Evangelism is bringing people to Christ with great effectiveness. Missions, the ability to adapt to a different culture. Apostle, you see that one and go, I thought there were only 12 apostles. There were only, that's the role. But there's a gift of apostleship that has the ability to establish the work of God in a place. And then languages and tongues, the ability to, to communicate without training in the language and dialect of another people group. There are spiritual gifts that instruct God's people. Prophecy, teaching, encouragement, and creative communication are four. And the others are wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Let me go back. So, prophecy. This isn't uh, at 3 o'clock this afternoon... Uh, we're going to find out that the bears lost again, or something like that, okay? Um, prophecy is the ability to declare hard truth. You know, think about the prophets in the Old Testament. They were not just foretellers, they were foretellers. Thus saith the Lord. This is what God wants. And, you know, so I talk about sometimes gifts will seem like they conflict. It would be hard to be a person who has a gift of prophecy and a gift of mercy, you'd find yourself going wacky. Because, you know, and it's not to say that the merciful person doesn't want a person to come around to God, but the, a lot of times, the prophet and the mercy case, they do this. Because they both want to get to the same result, but the person with mercy sees the person with prophecy as brutal, and the person with prophecy sees the person with, as, with mercy as wimpy. And it's just funny, but what does the Bible say? We need all the parts of the body. We can't live without all the parts. All the parts are important. So you have prophecy of teaching. You see that now. Encouragement. Uh, this is the divine enablement to motivate people to apply and act on biblical principles when they're wavering in their faith. The ability to bring out the best in others and develop their potential. Creative communication. You saw that on display this morning. Wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. These three are really supportive gifts. If you have a gift of teaching, I am hopeful that you have a gift of knowledge. It helps. You know, it can be entertaining if you don't, but it helps. Um, wisdom and knowledge are different. Knowledge is rain is wet. Wisdom is I need to get out of the rain. So wisdom knows what to do with knowledge. I've known some teachers who have knowledge who have no wisdom. 
It's scary, but, you know, that happens. That happens. Great at the facts, not so great at the application. Discernment is just this ability to be able to discern truth from error right away. Boom, know it. Why? Not because you're brilliant, but because the Spirit of God has equipped you to do that. Spiritual gifts that support God's people and support God's work. We have mercy and shepherding and hospitality and helps. We have, oh, I I guess there were only four. Okay, so mercy, empathizing with those who are hurting. And sometimes that hurting is self-inflicted. It's their own sin. And the person with mercy will treat that person differently than the person with prophecy. We need both. Shepherding, caring for and nurturing souls. Hospitality, making others, especially strangers, feel at home. And helps the divine enablement to see the spiritual value in performing practical and necessary tasks. So hospitality and helps. The poster children for these for years were Roger and Janet Swank for me. Janet, more people came to this church and stayed at this church because Janet remembered their name. That's a gift of hospitality. Sadly, a gift God skipped over on me. I do not understand why. I wish I remembered names the way Janet did. Roger had the gift of helps. Roger saw the incredible spiritual value of a clean toilet. A lot of you go, just get the job done. He saw that a clean toilet can bring people safely home to God. That's a spiritual gift of helps. And it's huge. It really matters. So, oh, there were more. Support, yeah. Giving or generosity and craftsmanship. Some people are just amazingly generous beyond their, their, um, their, their capacity in a sense. In fact, it's funny. I've known some people who are spiritually gifted in generosity who in other areas of their life are kind of stingy. And you go, how can that be? Well, because part of it is the natural them are operating, and part of them is part of that is the spirit of God flowing through them. And craftsmanship, the divine enablement to design and make stuff. That's in the Greek. That is useful for ministry. Intervening, intercession, healing, and miracles. All these things that are done in order to help another person, bring them along for the common good. Gifts that organize God's people. Leadership, administration, and faith. Leadership and administration are different. The leader is the person who sees the big picture and can cast the vision. The administrator says, these are the 17 steps we need to take to get it done. And the part that I find funny, very often leaders are horrible administrators, and administrators aren't necessarily the best leaders. And you say, why didn't God just put both in one body? Wouldn't that be great? Because God wants us to depend on each other. He's not looking to create a superman, a superwoman. He's looking to create a super body. All of us working together. Now, you may find organization, why are you putting faith there? Well, because you do need, as you're organizing the people of God, someone who's able to say, I think this is the mountain God wants us to take. And the rest of us are going, but the money doesn't add up. And but the, this doesn't add up. And but that. And, and that person of faith helps bring organization to the body. So the question comes, how can I know my gift? How can I know what my gifts are? It is easier to discover your gift through your ministry than to discover your ministry through your gift. So years ago, we'd offer a gift test, 176 questions. By the end, you knew what your gift was. No, what I found, you knew what you, you, you wanted your gift to be. <laughs> Amazing how many teachers came out on the list, and I'm like, yeah, no. 
or people who I could always predict who was going to score number one on the gift of discernment because they didn't have any. But they wanted it. <laughs> it was a wish test. It wasn't a real test. You discover your gift through your ministry. Start doing stuff. See what happens. Further, it is better to discover your gift through experience, through success or failure, than through a test. Just start doing things and see what happens. Now, I'm going to say something that may, you may say, why did you even bother preaching this sermon? Of all things, of all the things we'll talk about in the SHAPE acronym, spiritual gifts, in my opinion, and this is somewhere where I'm arriving, okay? Spiritual gifts, in my opinion, may be the one thing that is not vital for you to figure out. It may not be all that important. It just is. You're gifted. God gave it to you. So don't, you don't have to train for it. You don't have to master it. You just have to Nike. You just have to do it. So you start doing things. And as you're doing things, you are surprised by what's there. And you go, that's not me. And God says, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. You will discover your gifts or your giftedness, I believe, in the rearview mirror. You'll, you'll look back and go, huh. Oh. Now I get it. That's cool. All right. Kim's going to be happy. Come here, Kim. So I said every week we're going to do an interview, and this week I thought I'd have Kim come up because some of you wonder if I'm married. You know I am, but it's kind of this mystery person out there. Who is she? All that sort of thing. And I will. Have Kleenex? We'll travel. All right. So we got married on December 28, 1985, which I think comes out to 33 years this year. And when we got married um, at our wedding ceremony, a lot of beautiful things happened, including a prayer. And uh, one of the things that was really cool, I didn't have a lot of hand in the design of the service. Kim pretty much handled that. And uh, she had this theme that she put together for us, two joining hands to serve thee. And uh, you, you couldn't have thought up a better mission statement for a pair of people. And I truly do believe that we have lived out that mission statement incredibly. That, that the thing that, that binds us together perhaps more than even children is the privilege of serving our Father together. It's been amazing. And um, God has gifted you tremendously in crazy ways. I, I, I told you one of the questions I was going to ask was, rather than asking what you have done in the church, what have you not done? <laughs> Yet. <laughs> this? I've never <laughs> sat on the platform and talked to people, so okay. I'm a mess. Okay. I don't think I've ever, ever. Possible. Ever. <laughs> um, I've never done anything related to tech. They don't let me touch buttons or usually... No. It any... hurts. Yeah, yeah. It really hurts. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, if, if it can be broken or messed up, that's me. Um, and I have never done anything related to music because that is a gift to all of you that I don't. How many years did you take piano lessons? Oh, man. Was took, it like eight? I took eight years of piano, and finally my teacher said, Kim, you're in high school eight years you need to quit. <laughs> and I said, I know. Can you tell my mother I've been asking you that for years? But my mom wanted me to be a pastor's wife. And she didn't want to be a pastor's no, wife. No, I love this part. Yeah, Because you had to sing and play the piano. And 
and have the gift of hospitality. You had to know how to cook and talk to people, and I'm an introvert, and so I was like, I can't do that. I, well, you do it very well. <laughs> you do all right. So we, we're talking about giftedness, and I'm curious to know, um, maybe not your whole history of how you came about knowing what your gift was or whatever, or gifts are, but what, what, do, you, what do you think your spiritual gift is or gifts are? that's humbling and emotional even to say it because I think one of the gifts that I have is, is, the, is the, the ability to encourage people and yet it is so opposite of who I am naturally that it's almost embarrassing for me to say that like mm. how could God use Kim Pap to encourage people because that's not me that without him that would be impossible and yet, isn't that beautiful, right? That mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it is. He could use something that's so not me, not that I don't want to encourage people, but I'm just kind of a bullet point girl, you know, and I see... Direct. Direct, and I see things the way, and I'm not fluffy, and, you know... Um, so, so a person would not naturally expect you to bring the cuddle to the moment. No. And, and then you do. It's funny, because, like, when we're planning for... Uh, when when Kim would lead camp or different things, she'd be talking along the way, and eventually she'd say, "Okay, we're going to get together today. It's your job to do the rah rah." And uh, and the rah rah was Kim's way of saying, "We can't leave the room without these people feeling encouraged. Encouragement is huge." So the rah rah, yeah, and that's that's a big piece of you. So you literally last Saturday, you're at your dad's funeral, and you got a note this week that affirmed your gift. Can you talk about that? Maybe, yeah. So last Saturday was my dad's memorial. And there was a young man that was there. He's a little older than Brian that we've known since he was... Four, two. Yeah. Two. Been, um, I've prayed for him for years, but we've not really had a lot of direct contact. I, I really haven't had a, a one-on-one conversation with him since he was six years old. I mean, you know, so it's, it's not like this is someone that's been in my life all the time. And he surprised me. He just took me back when he was standing out here in the foyer on Saturday because I thought, why would you come to my dad's memorial? I mean, you know. And they, they live six hours away, and why would you do that? And later, they stuck around longer, and I got an opportunity just to talk to him for a few minutes and um, I was a little embarrassed because I thought, you know, he's 20-something, and he's cool, and I'm not. And I'm a mess today. I'm just a mess. But I wanted him to know how much I love him, how much I've prayed for him, that God matters, and that it doesn't matter that he's had some rough times. He's not been sure about God's role in his life. And... Um, it doesn't matter what he did last year or last week or yesterday. What matters is from this moment forward. And we had a short conversation, and I had asked him a couple of questions, and he told me some things that he said he really had never told anybody before. And it wasn't a long conversation. And I walked away from it thinking, oh, I'm an idiot. You know, I just made him feel uncomfortable, and here I haven't seen him in years and years, and I asked him all these questions and made him cry, and, and I, I felt stupid. But then I get this letter 
what was what's it called when it's overnight? Priority mail, yeah. <laughs> it's priority mail letter, beautiful, typed out written letter saying how he felt so important and blessed and um, that the words and the questions, and even though I made him cry and asked him things that normally you, you shouldn't ask someone when you haven't seen them in 20 years. But I thought, you know what? I don't have a lot of time. I got five minutes. I don't know when I'm going to see you again, and this is it. And I need to know what's going on in your life. And um, he said it made a difference. And the funny thing is, and I think this may happen to a lot of you, the previous night, well, actually the whole week, previous, we, we had been praying about what would happen at my dad's memorial. We knew there would be people who didn't know God here. We knew that there would be people here that knew God, but were just kind of not happy with him right now. And we've been praying that God would use that service and use us and use that whole experience to bring people one step closer to him. And so Friday night, I went to bed praying about what would happen the next day. And as I was praying... I started getting anxious and angry and playing in my head some things that had happened because I was with my dad the day he died. And I started playing those things over and over in my head all night long. My dad had tried to tell me things, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. And it grieves me beyond anything I can say. I want to know what he said. I couldn't understand, and I was praying. I was saying, God, please help me. Bring that back to mind. Help me understand. What, what was he trying to say to me? And I got anxious and angry. It was just playing in my head all night long, and I didn't sleep at all. I, I was awake all night long, and if you know me, if I don't sleep, you don't want to be around me because I'm just not worth anything. I, and so then that kind of compounded all of it because I come to Saturday, and it was like, God, I need to... I need to be all of me today. I need to be my best me, and I'm not. I'm nothing. I've got nothing to give. I've got no energy. I haven't slept. I'm not real happy with you right now, because why couldn't you at least give me sleep? And God used me anyway. And that's when you know it's not you, right? Right. Right. And I would say when it comes to the gift of encouragement that I see in you, Aside what I said about the rah-rah, you don't necessarily enter into a situation thinking, these are the five people I've got to encourage today. So often it is a rearview mirror experience. It's a, it's a letter from Brandon. It's a, it's a secondhand conversation from someone else who says, oh my word, you can't believe what your words meant to so-and-so. So, but you know what I will say is that I do think God just doesn't doesn't just you know pull you over and work through you with with you dragging and screaming. I mean, I think you need to be willing. And I do spend a lot of time praying and saying on Saturday nights in particular, God, I don't. Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to hug? Mm-hmm. And He doesn't tell me, give me a name. But you know, a good day for me is when I get to talk to have two meaningful conversations on a Sunday morning, whatever that is. And usually, I feel like a failure. Usually I feel like I totally botched that. And then you find out a month later that, no, you know what? That was just what they needed to say or needed to hear. Great, great. Thank you for doing this. I know that you hated the idea of doing it. Uh, We do have to do it again.
We do two of these. I always realize that. <laughs> after, after the first, I go, oh, you got to do this again. Don't, no, come here. I won't be able to do this. You clap. I don't get to do this to any of the other speakers. <laughs> I hug, if I hug Mike Miller that way, his skin will fall off. So, all right, let's stand up. And uh, as you're leaving today, just remind you of a couple things. Uh, up front here, there's always a person that's willing to spend time praying with you, celebrate with you, cry with you, whatever, they are here. On the way out, on either table, there are Bibles there. Bibles that are in a version that is clear and easy to understand. You don't have one like that, take one. It's yours to keep, and the only promise is open it, read it, use it. So, so glad you were here today. Thank you for joining us. And throughout the week, I hope that you will be conscious of the presence of the one who is and is to come, the great I am. He's with you always. We'll see you. Okay, I told you every one of these, we're going to have an interview. Interview of the day. And don't worry, it's not like 30 minutes. You can breathe. Nothing's burning at home yet. Um, the interview for today is someone I know really well. I thought I'd bring Kim up here. Because some of you are not convinced that, you think I'm married, but you don't think she exists. So this is my wife, Kim. And I thought it would be fascinating to talk with Kim of, about, of all things, spiritual gifts. Because I think her spiritual giftedness uh, is a surprise to her. It was a pleasant surprise to her. So when we got married, uh, December 28, 1985, if I'm counting correctly, 33 years ago coming up, um, the theme of our ceremony was two joining hands to serve thee. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't just a theme, it's been a mission statement. That's really been the way the two of us live our life. I think as much as we love our kids, more than our kids, more than anything else, the thing that has bound us together uh, in, in our love is serving with each other for our Father. It's been just an amazing experience to be able to serve with her. And, and Kim's gifts, I mean, she's, she's oozing with gifts. She's very gifted. I, I, I thought I, one of the questions I had for her was, um, rather than asking you what you've done in, around church, what have you not done? Well, except for first service, this. Being on this stage, being on any kind of stage, ever having a microphone, I, I don't think I've ever done this before. This is not a favorite, is it? No, I'm a back row girl. If I had my choice, I'd be in the back row, you know, and it, it kills me to have to sit in front with you, but I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an introvert, and people don't believe that, but I really, really am. I have back scenes, and, you know, I remember I, w I went to Moody Bible Institute, and I was a broadcasting major, and we used to joke. I worked at WMBI, and they said, yeah, you have a radio face, you know? So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's me. I'm oh, back row, but I ha I've never done anything related to tech, and I've never done anything related to music. And I pretty much really try to stay away from Dora's job, anything related to greeting, because I just, I'm terrified. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Piano lessons, how many years? Eight years. Eight, Eight years. years of piano lessons until I was a sophomore, um, freshman, sophomore in high school, and my, my teacher said, Kim, this isn't working. <laughs> you are not getting any better. It should, you should be progressing by now. And I said, I know. Can you tell my mother? I've been wanting to quit for eight years. So... <laughs> So she'll sit down at our piano at home and play quite literally the one song she knows. It's, 
It's great. It's wonderful. I, you know, okay, I've known you for quite a while, and so if I were, if I were looking at you and a, your, your body of work, so to speak, <coughs> I would say there's certainly a spiritual gift of administration going on in you. I've seen a, a spiritual gift of teaching. You have an incredible ability to convey uh, material in a way that people get it and learn. Um, but, but there's a gift in there that, that kind of surprised you, too. I might argue with you a little, because I think... I, normally do, I know. so that works. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't say that God never has used administration in my life in a spiritual way. I'm sure he has. But I think that's something I was naturally born with. And, mm. and, and, um, and he can use those things for his glory. Mm-hmm. But it, it, if so I weren't... So you'd put that more under an ability. If I, weren't okay. a, if I weren't a believer, I think I would still be able to administrate. Okay, good. In general. Good to know. Um, uh, what was the other thing you said? Teaching. Teaching. Yeah, I don't think I'm that good at that. So I, you know, that's the, I don't know that that would be a spiritual gift. All right. But Thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. So what do you think your gift is, Kim? Well, it took me a long time to figure it out, and it was in the rearview mirror, and it surprised me because it's totally contrary to what I think my personality is. I, I'm a bullet point kind of girl. I'm very direct. I'm very pragmatic. Um, I, we joke that I'm a little too male-minded. I don't, I don't make decisions emotionally. And so I, I, that leaves you with a deficit sometimes. And so I've never felt like I was very good at being floofy. I don't know what other word to use. You know, to, at encouraging people, at making them feel good. I'm not, a, not always a warm and cuddly person by nature. So that when God uses me to encourage people, it's a surprise. Because it's clear it's not me. It's not something I was born with. It's something mm. he did in spite of me. Mm. No, and, and you had an example even from this past week of really extending encouragement, not walking into it with an agenda of, I'm here to encourage three people, but encouragement that happened that blew your mind. So last Saturday was the memorial for my dad. And there was a... Um, a young man, I want to call him a little boy, because in my mind, he's still a little boy. He's older than Brian, so he's going on 30. He's not a little boy. He was here, and he surprised me. Um, he lives hours away, and um, I didn't expect him to be here. I haven't really had, I don't know that I've honestly ever had a conversation with him in, de- in depth since he was five years old. And uh, he hung around later, and, and I just saw him, and I thought, you know what, I I need to talk to him, and I, I did my, what Shelly says, my Kim thing. I, you know, I asked him questions until he wanted to, you know, like, from, <laughs> but I, I knew I had this much time with him, and I wanted to know what was going on in his life, and I knew from his mother that it had been a bumpy ride, and, and he was discouraged, and I, I, I don't waste time. And that's where the direct comes in. And sometimes you go, well, how can you be so direct and still encourage people? I don't know, because that's God. And um, he told me some things in those few minutes that, that he said he's n- not told anyone close to him. And it shocked me. And, and I walked away from that. And I think this is something about spiritual gifts, too. You, you don't always know mm-hmm. that God is using it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, I felt like, oh, I just totally screwed up. You haven't seen the kid in how many years? And you barrage him with these questions and make him nearly cry. And mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Um, but then I get this letter and overnighted to me, this typed out full page letter that talks about 
the spiritual impact that that conversation had. I mean, that wasn't me. He was really moved, too, by the fact that here it was the day that everybody should have been focusing on you and your need, and you could have been talking to quite literally anybody else there, and you zeroed in on him because God really led you to zero in on him and to show him that care, and it, and it moved him incredibly deeply. And that's something that, I've, that I have seen in you through the years. I kind of laugh because when... When Kim's involved in organizing something like years ago with camp or, or different things like that, she'll often say to me, all right, and now during the meeting, you have to do the rah-rah. And the rah-rah is her way of saying, we got to make sure that people feel encouraged. And so there's that little piece that rah-rah time, you go ahead and do that. Even if it may not be you being the one doing it, you make sure it gets done. But I, it's, I've, through the years, I know you hate grabbing the mic but I've been blown away how I'm supposed to do the rah-rah and I do what I think is a rah-rah and then you get up and say a couple things and we go, there was the rah-rah. Because, because it really was out of your giftedness and not out of my script or whatever it was. So I, part of what I love, and I think this is, again, I'm, I'm discovering things about gifts that I didn't really understand before, but I think one of the things I'm seeing about gifts these days is very often it is something that's, that not only doesn't come naturally, but it's almost opposite of who we are naturally. Naturally, people would not expect that thing to come from us. And that really is the Spirit being manifest in my life and not just me practicing, trying harder, choosing what I'm going to do for God. And let me add to that just as an example. Last Saturday, um, I was not in a place mentally. I mean, certainly losing my dad. Um, was hard, but even more so than that, I was just not physically in a place where I felt like I'd give anything to anybody. I had been up all night, Friday night, almost panic attack-like, heart racing, praying and arguing with God, and and so I wasn't really necessarily even right spiritually in my head because I woke up, woke up. I didn't wake up. I had been up all night, anger with God, saying, "You know what? Today's my dad's memorial." Um, why can't, you know, why can't you give me some sleep? I need to be my best for everybody that's going to be there today. And I wasn't. I was a shell. I, there was nothing in me. Hmm. And um, I, I'm just, I'm blown away that, you know, he just pointed out, okay, you had nothing to give. You're right. And I proved it to you by keeping you up all night. Hmm. And uh, hmm. I don't know. I, you know, I think that's where it's just amazing. And that's how you know whether it really is a spiritual activity. Yeah. If God does it in spite An of you. An activity of the Spirit. Yes, it's yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you. So with gifts, I just want to encourage you to start paying attention to the rearview mirror. Look at where you've been. Look at the things that people have commented. Huh, that really meant a lot or I understood that, or whatever. And the thing that's kind of funny, I think a lot of times when it comes out of real giftedness, we do a, ah, anybody could do that. And the truth is, anybody couldn't do it. You did it because you're gifted to do it. So we've kept you a little long. Child care workers are ready for your kids to go home. <laughs> so let's stand up. And I thank you for being here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with this interview that I wouldn't do with all the others. But... <laughs> mm. I do that 
I do that to Mike Miller, his skin will melt off. It'll be, it'll be ugly. So anyway, um, as you're leaving today, just a couple reminders. Up front, all the time. There's a person up here that is willing to spend time praying with you. You have a burden, a concern, something you want to celebrate, come pray. Also on the way out the door, either side table, there are a bunch of Bibles there. You need, you, the Bible you have is hard to understand. These ones are written in plain English. Take one. It's yours to keep. Just promise you'll use it. Read it. You have a great week. We'll see you.